Welcome back to the Trauma-Informed Herbalist. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Guthrie, and today is part one of two on aromatherapy. Now, many of you know that next year I'm coming out with another book, Trauma and Essential Oils. So season two of this podcast is going to be specifically focused on aromatherapy and the benefits there. So you can kind of consider this the preview episodes, as it were, for the next season. Aromatherapy makes for a fascinating trauma-informed discussion because scent is so closely connected with memory and has the capacity to dredge up not just positive memories, but also really terrible incidents. So when I teach trauma-informed care, I tell people that the best way to go about your practice is to be scent-free. I wash all my professional clothes in scent-free detergent. I don't diffuse oils in my office at all. So I don't diffuse essential oils in a yoga class. I don't diffuse them in my office space, nothing like that. And I don't wear perfumes, whether they are natural or synthetic. And this is because so many different smells can activate certain responses from people. And this comes from the olfactory senses direct connection with the limbic system. The limbic system governs emotional states and memory storage, and it's also the link between subconscious and conscious minds. So we do want to be conscientious of this, and this is why I don't, I don't diffuse the essential oils in public spaces and in my office. What I do use when I'm working with clients who have dealt with trauma is a personal inhaler, or I use topical blends. For the discussion that we're having here, most of what I'm going to be discussing is inhaling essential oils. This is because we see the scent families in the direct connection with the limbic system and that emotional memory storage. And be aware, if you have asthma, COPD, any kind of lung issues, before you start inhaling a lot of essential oils, I want you to go do some research and make sure that what you've chosen is a safe option for you where you are right now. So when we use this properly, we get a significant advantage in helping to bring about more ventral vagal states. Now, just like everything else that we've talked about so far, different oils are going to affect different people differently. How many times can you say different in a sentence? And in the next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the oils that I like to use and how we generally see them used and where they are beneficial in a very general sense. But just because we have some general benefits from the oils doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to respond that way to those oils. And I know I keep saying this, but I really want to emphasize the fact that just because you don't respond the conventional way to a a certain therapy doesn't mean that you're broken. It just means that your body responds differently. So when you find yourself in a situation where something isn't working, instead of giving up, pivot. Pivot to something else. Try something else. Make something else and see how that works for you. A lot of times what you're going to find is that you're drawn to certain oils or certain scent families that are very beneficial for you. And then there are other scent families that you may be like, oh, I really don't like this. I don't enjoy this as a smell. So you may get some therapeutic physical benefits from those oils, but we're not going to use those on the trauma-informed care side of things. So today I want to introduce you to seven scent families that I use when I'm working with my clients. 
These different families, quote unquote, help us to better define the way an essential oil smells, which can be helpful in blending, but it can also lead us to other oils that might be helpful on an emotional level. This is not an exhaustive list of the different types of scents that are available. There are closer to, I think, 30 different scent families that are much more nuanced than this. But the seven categories I'm going to talk about today make this a little bit more simple because they're easy to remember. They match the chakras for those of you who do energy work and like that kind of thing. And they pretty well define most of the essential oils that we have available. Some of these essential oils will fall into different categories based off of the chemotypes. And some of the scents are slightly subjective, so don't be too rigid in these definitions. And play with the essential oils that you have available for you to see what works best for you and your system. Today we're talking about the scent families, and then in the next episode we'll talk about individual oils. So you'll see how some of the characteristics from the scent families carry over into their oils. And then you'll also see how individual essential oils have their own benefits and emotional qualities. So the first scent family I want to introduce you to is the floral scents. These are going to be very flowery in nature. Think of things like geranium, neroli, and lavender. Many floral scents have a connection to almost like a feeling of the divine, not necessarily religion, but more of that divinity spiritual side of things. Some people see it as being a connection to your higher self. And if these scents are something that you enjoy and that smell good to you, they can create a feeling of being comforted, of being part of a greater purpose, and helping you to see beyond what's happening right here and now. Almost like it starts to give you back a little bit of that long-term view. I associate the floral scents with the crown chakra, and that connection to higher self and higher purpose is also found in the crown chakra. And many times, different floral scents can be very healing when it comes to religious trauma, helping with the emotional side of, of that feeling of abandonment and some of the, the feelings of insecurity, and especially when, especially when it first happens and your entire world and view of eternity is knocked upside down, the floral scents can be very soothing. But then we have to be aware that certain floral scents are associated with certain goddesses or certain religious figures. For instance, roses are significantly associated with Mary in certain traditions. So for some people, the scent of rose or sometimes even geranium can activate negative memories because those scents, rose and the less expensive geranium, have been used in certain religious contexts to activate that sense of smell and cause somebody to think of Mary and and her presence being there. So if those those scents are connected to particular aspects of the religious trauma, it may not work for that person. And that's okay. Like I said, that's when we pivot and we find other things. The next category is fruity or citrusy type scents. These are going to be oils such as orange, mandarin, lime, lemon, lemongrass, lots of different fruity scents available. I love the citrus family because a lot of the oils are very soothing but also have an energizing feel. 
Orange is one of my best friends. I use oranges all winter long because it brings in a little bit of sunshine and a little bit of enjoyment that helps to bring that energizing touch of, of summer and warmth to my life. One thing we do need to be aware of when we're using citrus oils, of course, what I'm discussing for the most part is going to be inhalation, but if you do decide to make a topical blend, a lot of the citrus oils are phototoxic and you may want to be very careful with that and do some research and make sure that you're using the right oils for topical use. I associate citrus oils with the third eye chakra and that kind of intuitive feel that comes from the third eye. Certain types of traumatic situations can leave us with the feeling that we can't trust our own intuition. I really love the citrus oils because I feel like there is a chance to reconnect with that intuitive sense and celebrate all the ways that it's worked for us. Next is the minty and medicinal scents. So think things that are minty or camphoraceous, peppermint, spearmint to some extent. I mean, it's a much sweeter mint because of the carvone, but, but spearmint is still in this category. And eucalyptus, those things that almost make you think Vicks VapoRub, right? And it's very interesting because, for instance, peppermint tends to have a bit more of a stimulating effect on the central nervous system. Whereas spearmint tends to have a very relaxing effect on the central nervous system. So the oils in this categories can really go either direction. They can either help to stimulate and bring somebody back to a place where they feel a little more focused, or it can help to reduce that feeling of hypervigilance. The minty scents are also associated with the throat chakra. This is the area that governs the voice and communication. And when we've been through traumatic situations, there are many times where we feel unheard afterwards or unsure of our own voice, and we just need support in feeling heard and understood. For me, there's a little bit of, of a need to work with the third eye as well because one's perception and intuition about situations comes into play almost as much as what they project out through their throat, right? Communication is both what we hear and perceive and what we say and another person perceives what we've said. But the throat chakra is associated with minty and camphoraceous scents. So this family comes into play anytime that you're looking for better communication. The next category are your spicy scents. I always think like the holiday spices, cinnamon, clove, that kind of thing. These are very warming scents and when they feel good to you, these scents can be very happy, bubbly, encouraging. It almost creates like a sense of well-being and community connection that's coming from these smells. For instance, anise is very helpful if somebody is a wallflower, but not just a wallflower, somebody who wants to be more open, who maybe was open before the trauma occurred, but now they find themselves very withdrawn and uncomfortable connecting with others, it can be a fantastic oil to help with that. I associate spicy scents with the heart chakra, the place of unconditional love, anahata. And after trauma, it can be very difficult to hold space for others and to hold uh, a place of empathy for other people especially if you feel like you've been aban abandoned 
or if somebody has blamed you as a victim, it can be extremely difficult to turn around and continue offering genuine empathy to other people. Unhelpful authority figures, an unsympathetic friend, or even judgmental family members can create further traumatic memories that overshadow the people who are helpers. So when we have these situations, a lot of the times those negative voices can reinforce that inner critic that has become very strong after the trauma. And it can be very hard to hear when people are helping us or people are offering something that's helpful and encouraging. And these spicy oils can help to open us up to those moments of encouragement. And the next set of oils are the woody oils. These are your evergreen and tree scents, things like pine, spruce, the different types of cedars that are available. They're very, um, they're not earthy because actually that's the next scent category. It's earthy, but they, they have that very almost grounded feel to them that comes from just feeling like you are part of the earth. These woody scents are associated with the solar plexus chakra, which is the seat of self. And it's also the, the place of our transformational fire. And after a trauma, we may find ourselves really struggling with our sense of self, especially when it comes to domestic violence, intimate partner violence, abuse that has been ongoing for quite a while. Gaslighting and suffering from survivor's guilt both can cause a person to second guess their decisions, wonder about their place, wonder about how they feel towards themselves. And energetically nourishing that solar plexus chakra with the woody oils can be very helpful in restoring balance. Now, I'm not saying that all of this is supposed to be done and it's the only thing you do. Obviously, this is a complementary therapy that works alongside other things like we've talked about in the other episodes. But when you add this to a regimen where you're already working, you're trying to get better at things, it can begin to make a big difference. And the next scent family is the herbaceous scents. These are going to be your kitchen spices. It's almost very Mediterranean in feel. Rosemary, sage, oregano, thyme, specifically thyme with the chemotype of linalol can be very helpful and is connected directly with the sacral chakra. So these herbaceous scents usually have a little bit of a deeper feel to them that can help stir ideas in the creative space. Creativity and creative passions can be lost after you go through a traumatic event. Whether the trauma was directly related to your creative pursuits or not, a lot of people struggle after trauma to get back into different creative options that are available. This happened with me in music. It was very hard for me to pick my instruments back up afterwards. I didn't want to play them. I didn't, they just, I don't know, like there was just a piece of me that was almost lost after the trauma I went through. And it took time and it took uh, a lot of patience with myself to get to a point where I enjoyed the music again. And one of the things that helped was rosemary and sage. So the herbaceous herbs can have that effect and be helpful when they feel right to you. And lastly, the earthy scents. These are the very deep grounding scents that have this, this feel of almost like you could just dig into the earth, right? Patchouli, vetiver, carrot seed, these are all scents that are reminiscent of just being grounded down into the soil 
and these are wonderful, but the earthy scents and the woodsy scents are used in a lot of different types of cologne. And so if you have memories that are connected to certain types of colognes, then you may want to go lightly on these or avoid them and stick with some of the more fruity and, and flowery type smells. But when these earthy tones feel right, they can be amazing. They're associated with the root chakra, which is associated with the adrenal glands. So whereas some of the higher chakras are associated with the hypothalamus, the pituitary, that kind of thing, this is on the other side of the HPA axis. And when somebody is feeling untethered or as if they can't get grounded again and the, the earthy scents are an option for them, then we look at the earthy scents for grounding. From an herbal perspective, obviously we're looking at root herbs and things like that. But when we're talking about aromatherapy specifically, I'm looking at earthy grounding scents. So there you have it. Seven scent categories that can help you to classify the different essential oils and give you a feel for which other types of oils you might enjoy. Citrus, floral, minty, spicy, woody, herbaceous, and earthy. And in the next episode, we'll get into individual oils, some of their chemical components, and where they might be helpful in regards to different polyvagal states. One final thought that I wanted to share is that a lot of the times we use very expensive essential oils when something that's a little less expensive and a little bit more financially accessible for people would work. In the aromatherapy chapter of the Trauma-Informed Herbalist, I talk about some of these more expensive oils such as rose, jasmine, and vetiver, and I discuss other options that are available that allow us to get similar therapeutic effects without the massive price tag. I don't encourage you to try to buy oils that are expensive if they are on a discounted site because they might be diluted with other types of oils they may have been chemically altered in order to, to still have a very good smell, but they don't necessarily have the same ingredients as a pure extract. And from a trauma-informed angle, we really want to offer the best and highest quality possible for the best price point. So that's why I tend to stick with a slightly more expensive version of the less expensive oils instead of trying to get bargain prices on things like rose and jasmine. And if you're a practitioner and you're using this information for somebody, I do want to remind you that they need to be the ones to pick their final plan. If somebody despises an oil that you're putting in an inhaler for them, they're not going to use the inhaler. And even if they do, it's just going to make them uncomfortable. I do encourage my clients to do what's called the rule of three tries where you smell an oil once, you come back to it a second time, and you go back a third time. Because some of these oils, if you're not accustomed to natural fragrances, can smell a little weird up front, but as you become accustomed to them, you may find you like them. But my caveat to this is that I don't have somebody smell an oil if they mention that it's starting to give them flashbacks. So I'm not gonna go back and try to make them smell it a second or third time. And if after the third smell like if they if they smell it okay everything goes all right but they just don't like it after three times then we're not going to try to put it into a formula unless it's being masked by other more significant smells so thank you all so much i'm glad that you were here if this is your first episode i encourage you to go back to the beginning of this season to episode one 
and listen through all of the episodes in order. This season parallels my first book, The Trauma-Informed Herbalist, which is out in bookstores now. And I encourage you to go to my website, www.traumainformedherbalist.com to see more information about the work I'm doing. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next episode.